you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. How's it, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Lee Kwai. And I'm your other host, Rachel Weeks. So, Rachel, we've got a pretty cool topic today that you came up with. Yeah, I love this episode. Uh, so, today we're talking about the cards that you don't put in your decks. For Not because they're not powerful enough or not because they're, you know, too expensive. It's just the cards that you know are good in your deck and you just don't like playing with. Yeah, you choose not to play them yeah. for your own reasons or right. whatever. Yeah, good cards that we don't play with. Yeah, and you know it's funny when you said the topic. Uh, as soon as I started thinking about, it, I was like, "Oh yeah, I don't play that card." And not, it's awesome, but yeah. I just, I just don't put it in my deck because of the gameplay experience that I'm looking for or whatever. Right. Uh, and of course, we want to be very clear: we're not telling people what to play or we're not what not to play. But it's nice to get perspective and in fact yeah. on this episode we're gonna get uh, a few extra perspectives right yeah we're having a team episode we gathered the command zone crew together to talk to them about the cards that they don't put in their deck for whatever reasons yeah for, reasons. for, for reasons. reasons uh so it is a little bit of a weird segue if any of the cards we talk about today you decide you do want to put in your deck mm-hmm. or maybe you want to take some cards out and then of course you'll need new cards to put in their place well mm-hmm. cardkingdom.com slash command that is the place to go to get your magic products singles anything at all of course we've got Phyrexia all will be one right around the corner. I believe you can pre-order it already. And if not, you will be able to very soon. Card Kingdom, my number one card retailer that I use the most, mostly because when I'm building a deck, it is the most convenient place to go. They have a huge inventory, so they're going to have the cards that you're looking for. And then you can just bing, 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 bing. That's me clicking. I guess click, mm-hmm. click, click, click is the sound I should have made. I know. You could change your mouse sound. <laughs> that's pretty fun. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, but you could just put them all into one cart, get one package, pay shipping one time, get it all at once, which cardkingdom.com slash command. That is one of the biggest conveniences of the whole thing. So, yeah, we can't recommend them highly enough, whether you're getting uh, booster packs, booster boxes, whatever. You can get that at the same time as your singles and things like that as well. So it is, it is nice. Uh, I, I use them all the time. Yeah, and once you have all of those cards, once they've shown up on your doorstep in one tidy little package, go to ultrapro.com slash command to protect those game pieces. Get yourself deck boxes, get deck sleeves, get play mats, get uh, new fancy dice to accurately represent your board state. Go to ultrapro.com slash command to get all of those things. They also have all of the official magic art so you can get uh, your match your deck, you can match your play style, you can make sure that you're accurate accurately represented as a player when you sit down at your LGS. It's very intimidating. Uh, if you've got a big, like, island playmat, you know? Like, I know what I'm dealing with. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm intimidated by an island. But I'm always impressed when somebody's, like, all dressed up. They're all matching. Yeah, I'm always like, wow. Like a pro wrestler. Yeah, it looks nice. <laughs> I feel underdressed. Go to ultrapro.com slash command to pick up all of those products. Uh, and there's something kind of cool we wanted to talk about here, which is, if you haven't heard, if you don't follow us on social media or whatever, 
Uh, there's a bunch of Magic Cons happening next year, and Magic Con Philly is coming up very, very soon. It is February 17th through the 19th, and uh, Philly for Philadelphia, of course. <laughs> and and it's a huge convention, kind of similar to Magic 30, the event that happened in Vegas just recently. But the big announcement, you know, is that we're going to be doing Game Nights Live, yeah. uh, an encore performance of uh, the show that we did in Vegas. Actually, it's not an encore performance. It's not the same performance. It's a brand new performance. Yeah. Yeah, Rachel, you're gonna be there. I'm gonna be there. I'm so excited to play. I'm so excited to uh, to see what the audience brings to the show. It's gonna be a ton of fun. Uh, and if you want to get an idea for what you're gonna see, go watch the live episode. Yeah, the the last live episode we did is on our YouTube channel. And then, of course, if you follow us on social media, we're gonna be updating there about you know where we're gonna be at the event because we're not only gonna be doing the live show. We're gonna be there at the convention, meeting people, signing things, taking photographs, things like that. Jimmy will be there. A bunch of members of our team we haven't announced all the details we will soon but we want to let you know in case you're considering going to philly uh i think there are badges still available we'll put the link in the show notes and everything yeah, but we, come we want to say, yeah we hope we see you there and then of course to our patrons patreon.com slash command zone if you want to support our uh, content directly that's how you do it and one of the big perks you get is we shout out one lucky patron on every single episode and this yep. episode is dedicated to mitch walker, walker. mitch you rock. You definitely rock. All right, let's get into the main topic here. Good cards that we don't play. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, Commander is like a very, it's a very personal game, right? right? When you build a deck, you want to build a deck that you love to play, that matches your style, that you're excited about. So, there's obviously cards that you want to include. But we don't often talk about the cards that we don't, just don't even add to the 99. Right, good ones that would be good in the deck that are probably showing up on EDH Rec or whatever, but yeah. you choose for whatever reason, your own personal choices, not to put them in. Yeah, and I, I sort of love that because that says a lot, I think that says maybe even more about you as a deck builder, what you don't include than what you do include right. in your 99. Because it's like, these are the things, this is my priority is I don't want to deal with, you know, this upkeep or I don't want to deal with uh, having all of these choices or something like that. Um, yeah, so. I like it, uh, what you said about individuality and also just to reiterate, we're not saying anything that anybody says here that anybody out there shouldn't play them or should play them, right? Like, I often see people and it's like, man, that person is rocking red shoes and it looks really good mm -hmm. and I could never pull that off. Right, yeah. So it's not like I'm going to go buy red shoes. <laughs> right. But it's cool that each different person can kind of find what, you know, makes their brain tick or what their style is and sort of lean towards that. Right, because what you put in your deck, you really want it to speak to your play style and what makes sure that you're having fun at the table. Um, so if a card is not adding to that fun for you personally take it out of your deck even if it is an optimized choice yeah so uh rachel you sat down with a bunch of members of our mm -hmm. command zone team to kind of get their perspectives on the good cards that they don't put into their decks and yeah. it is great to hear other players perspectives too i think too often we're in our own bubble of what we like and what we enjoy and it's nice to just get an outside look that kind of gives you a, you know a new context for when you're building your deck as well so yeah. you know hopefully um this episode will be eye-opening for some people out there or you'll learn something or whatever yeah let's hear from the team all right now we've got murph our lead editor our sometimes director you know him you love him miss murph hello what card are you not playing these days it's a good card it, it is a good card yeah so the card that i have not been playing is douthy Voidwalker. so it's a Relatively recent card for Modern Horizons 2. It's a creature, black, black, Douthy Rogue. It's got shadow, and if a card would be put into opponent's graveyard from anywhere, instead exile it with a void counter on it. Tap, sacrifice Douthy Voidwalker. Choose an exiled card an opponent owns with a void counter on it. You may play it this turn without paying its mana cost. 
So I was pretty excited when this card came out. Mm. I thought, oh, this looks really fun. It looks like a great way to be able to use people's cultivates, source to plowshares, mm -hmm. all sorts of like fun stuff. Maybe you'll even hit a demonic tutor or something like that. And then if you have a reanimation package, which you're in black, which you might, you might be able to get it back, do it again. And I, I just really liked the way that the card read yeah. and thought that it would lead to some really fun play patterns. So of course I got a few, started putting them into decks, mm. but slowly I've been taking them out of decks more and more until I only have it in one CDH deck, but I've completely removed it from all my casual decks. Yeah. Yeah. Because the play pattern, which I thought it would lead to, is not what the card actually does. So the card ends up being more of like a hate piece. Or yeah, like it's a, more of like a ley line of the void. Yeah, a little more staxy, a little more... Well, it's not just a ley line of the void, I right? Because like it does turn off all of those graveyard decks. Mm -hmm. It just randomly hoses graveyard decks. So Also. Yeah, also. So if you're playing against a graveyard deck in a pod, they will suddenly not like you. And I don't know about you, Rachel, but... <laughs> I don't like being the center of attention in a commander pod. Never. And when somebody's like, actually, I'm going to target you and go after you for the rest of the game because you did this, Dothy yep. tends to do that. Yeah, it puts anytime a card would be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere. Anywhere. Right. Like, so mill. if they mill it, if they discard Gone. it, yeah. if they cast an instant or sorcery, if it dies, it so it turns off so much yeah. for a two mana card. Yeah. So oftentimes what people will do is they just won't play anything into it. Mm, They'll no. maybe play a couple creatures and not block with the creatures and just kind of sit on their cool stuff and not play it right into the Douthy. So you're preventing the game from progressing by playing this card mm -hmm. and you're not getting any fun stuff out of it. Right, yeah. Which And you're attracting a lot of attention. Exactly, you're attracting a lot of attention to yourself, oftentimes negative, unwanted attention. Mm -hmm. And the problems get even worse when... There's multiple Douthies on the field when people target, oh reanimate it, whatever, because all those things that are exiled with a void counter, uh, multiple Douthies can see them. Douthies yep. will remember it when they come back. So if you ever exile anything with a void counter on it, you just have to leave it like that for the entire rest of the game. It's just in case, <laughs> just in case somebody reanimates the Douthie, just in case somebody has a Douthie of their own, because it's a reasonably popular card. Mm. Like I think it was within like the top 100 EDH rec cards. I mean, it's, it is that good. It's, it's, it's a very um, good card. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I played it. I played against a Douthie in a Luris deck. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so you just couldn't get rid it, of it. It was just impossible to handle, and yeah. I was playing Dragon's Approach, oh, which no. is both an instant and sorcery deck and a graveyard deck. Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I was oh, like... Oh, no. I was like, I'm, like, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> I need to find the one grave piece yeah. to interrupt this loop, or I'm out of this game. But... <laughs> We weren't really dying. We were just kind of stuck. <laughs> yeah, because that's another thing about the card is it's very difficult to remove because it sacrifices itself. Mm -hmm. So even if you try to hit it with the path to exile or a source to plowshares, uh, as long as it doesn't have summoning sickness, it can just sacrifice itself. Even if you don't end up casting anything with it, now it's in your graveyard for you to get back later. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very resilient in that way as well. Yeah, I. it's a, it's a tough card because you're like like you said there is such cool potential you're like yeah. somebody cast an expropriate amazing but the thing is nobody's going to cast an expropriate no, into your death <laughs> and if they do 
it, they are going to win from it. Right, yeah. Because yeah. that's another interesting part about Douthy is the wording lets you play things for free, but you still have to follow timing restrictions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of people don't quite understand. So it also causes a lot of rules complications that you then have to explain to people. And it just causes a lot more headaches in a game of Commander than I would like for a two-minute creature. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's completely reasonable. Yep. Well, thank you so much for your thoughts, Murph. We appreciate it. And now, Craig Blanchett, Mr. Infect himself. What cards are you not playing that you like know are good? So I know that everybody says that you should be playing a certain number of Wraths in every deck, and I just don't follow that at all. I, you know, I think in all 30 of my decks, I have zero white Wraths. Oof. And I think I only have like two black Wraths of any sort. Yeah. So, you know, I for me, it's kind of a, if I'm in a game where I need to Wrath, I'd rather lose that game quickly mm. and move on to the next game. Sure. Then kind of have to slog it out and then, you know, sit through, you know, I don't like sitting through long turns. Uh, right. I'd much rather get to the next game. So, you know, and I feel like Wraths really can prolong games, mm. uh, especially if you don't do them properly. Right. Yeah. It's um, board wipes, especially in Commander these days. Often mean, okay, well, we just read all the thing and rebuild, I rebuild, I play Suntide and bring it back and we're right. back. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I've gone through, you know, the early days when we started playing Commander, I was actually talking to some people earlier today that the the card shop that I played at, it was like trial by fire. Everybody was land destruction, wrath all the time. And, you know, I feel like I've lived that part of my life. <laughs> I, I feel like I've paid my dues. You're through your, yeah, your exactly. wrath I've paid my dues with the wraths. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just, I really like to, you know, and people know this, I like to build up a board state. I mm-hmm. like to, you know, be the threat at the table. And so wrathing kind of takes that joy away from me mm-hmm. in a way. And so, yeah, just my personal style. I, I don't like to wrath. Here's my question. Do you do you play one-sided board wipes? Like, do you play Cyclonic Rift or, like, uh, the black one that destroys all your opponent's creatures? I don't play the black one, but I, yeah. I play Cyclonic Rift in almost everything. See, that's a board wipe. <laughs> I but mean, it's a board wipe, it's but different. it's also, it, it's an answer. So, yeah. you know, in the same concept of trying to end a game, I will not a Cyclonic Rift if I know it's just going to prolong the game and I'm right, not yeah. going to win. It's an aggressive tool it, to put you over the top. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's I use Cyclonic Rift when I'm... I'm like, all your stuff's gone. I'm winning now. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, your defenses, your defenses are down. Exactly. Yeah. And it's in again in the same vein that I want the game to end quickly and I want to get on to the next game. It's in true aggro fashion. Yeah. I I, yeah. I can appreciate that. <laughs> I actually love white rats because I combine them with like a uh, an indestructible blink spell oh. or a blink effect or you bring the whole board back. But I, I think it's in that same idea where it's like use wrath aggressively to pro, like to move the game along and to make sure that when the wrath happens, you're in a better spot on the other side of the totally. wrath rather than everybody's at zero. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I appreciate your thoughts. Thanks so much, Craig. I, uh... Thanks for having me. Now we've got Gaurav Galati, one of the video editors here. Gaurav, what card do you not play? That's a good card. Uh, so a good card that I don't play is Coat of Arms. Mm. Coat of Arms is an artifact that costs five generic mana, and it reads, each creature gets plus one, plus one for each other creature on the battlefield that shares at least one creature type with it. Uh, and the example they give right here is, for example, if two goblin warriors and a goblin shaman are on the battlefield, each gets plus two, plus two. So... Um, uh- it- Sorry, go ahead. So this is a universal effect. This affects everybody. Yes, that that is one of the big things about this card is it's not just you. 
uh, more often than not, if you're playing a tribal, a a theme deck, Mm -hmm. um, you probably don't care about the other creatures uh, because everything usually affects your creatures only. But if someone plays a a goblin that is just a one-off in their red deck that you weren't counting on, they also get all those bonuses that you got in your goblin deck, Mm -hmm. which is... Something that you might not matter, but it's something you have to keep track of. And that is my problem with this card is that obviously it's very good in any theme deck that is merfolk, uh, goblins, even humans. Humans is the one I would have considered this Mm -hmm. for. Um, But once you get a bunch of creature types that are on the battlefield, you often have to do the math, um, much like Cather's Crusade, which can get out of hand doing the math of tokens. But this updates every time a creature enters or leaves the battlefield for anybody. So there's a lot of math happening, and it's not easy to calculate like counters are. Like, it changes all the time. And so often you'll do a combat set and be like, wait, that creature was actually a 5-5, five, five, not a 3-3 three, three because of this, this, and this. Yeah, this creature dies to first strike. So yeah. all that changes all the math in the second part of damage. Yeah, oh. and it's a good card. It's very powerful, mm-hmm. but at the same time like it can get out of hand uh doing the math there's an extra turns uh extra turns 18 where i was playing my god's deck and uh uh craig had played uh, this card because he had a lot of elves in his deck but he also had warriors in his deck and i had warriors just making tokens of uh, of oketra mm. and it was affecting it and we were like oh we weren't planning for this so it just got out of hand very quickly <laughs> and i feel like that happens in every game once yeah. there's so many types cuz it also counts their secondary type so goblin shaman mm. shaman could be a type that is everywhere right. in there so you have to do a goblin check you have to do a shaman yes. check you have to do a god check you have to do a uh, like a human check yeah. an elf check like there's at any given time in a commander game there can be what 15 creature yeah. types that you have to track it's individually? a lot it's just a lot oh, of math what a headache and it's a good card i know but i ju- i keep it out of my theme decks because it is something that i just don't feel like giving the headache to everyone at the table if it was just me fine maybe mm. but because it does affect everyone and affects every combat it is ugh, it's just something i don't play yeah for sure i i think taking cards out of your deck that create extra brain occupation mm-hmm. for for less payoff. Yeah. That's a terrible way to phrase it, but you guys know what I mean, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Where it's like I you have to spend 80% of your brain power thinking about yeah. about how coat of arms works. Yeah. Then you're only spending 20% of your brain power actually playing your yeah. deck. <laughs> if I ever have to play a card and then say sorry as it resolves, like it's probably a card <laughs> I don't want to put in my deck because it's causing a lot of issues at the table. Um, <laughs> Lesson learned. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, Garof. Yeah. Thanks for Thanks like, for having me. Of course. All right. I've got Jake Boss, our post-production supervisor here with a card that he doesn't play. How's it? Uh, I, I don't know if I, if I keep manifesting that and I keep saying that maybe eventually I'll get his power. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. You'll, you'll get JLK powers. Yeah. So the reason that I'm here is to talk about one of the worst cards that I hate to play. It's called overwhelming splendor mm. six white, white for an enchantment. It's an aura curse enchant player creatures enchanted player controls, lose all abilities and have base power and toughness one, one and enchanted player can't activate abilities that aren't mana abilities or loyalty abilities. Ooh. These Oh, geez. This is a backbreaking card. It's it's pretty bad. Um, but you look at this card, and as a younger player, you might say, wow, this is really cool. I have an Enchantress deck. It's very powerful. Yeah, yeah. this is a win con for me, because by that time, I'll play this, you know, cripple their board, and then I'll swing over, easy peasy, and win this game. But what I learned is, instead of 
hoveling your opponents, what you should be doing is advancing your own game plan. Right, yeah. Uh, making it so you can actually end the game rather than effectively end the game. <laughs> yeah, when I first showed up at Command Zone, I was playing a game with a couple of people here. Uh, DJ was one of them, mm-hmm. and this game went on for three hours. Oh my God. It was brutal like i'm sorry dj that i wasted your time by casting overwhelming splendor you gave dj three hours of humility <laughs> let's say that you get like a thrashing brontodon to mm. deal with you nope. know an enchantment you can't activate that ability Mm-mm. to destroy it yeah. or something else on your board that you've prepared like it's all over now right. you're sitting there with a bunch of one ones and if you don't draw a spell or have a counter spell while it's on the stack or the right removal at the right time you're out Right, and it's you're spending eight mana on this. Yep. So you really there are eight mana cards that effectively win the game. Expropriate is nine. Uh, yeah. Cyclonic Rift is is seven when you overload it. Yeah, why not just play something better? It's um so paying eight mana to effectively remove one player and leaving two players untouched is like not only does it hobble one person but still keep them around. Uh, it doesn't even put you in a better place against two other players unless you can like make copies of it. Ooh. I think something that people learn when they're growing up is it's better to focus on yourself and improve your <laughs> own board state rather yeah. than going after somebody else and trying to make somebody else have a worse board state to match yours. Mm. Just focus on your own problems, pal. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Jake. I appreciate the story. <laughs> yeah, that's my reading rainbow moment. Right. Play the reading rainbow sound to go to the next person. And up next, we've got Arthur Meadowcroft, an assistant editor on Game Nights. Very exciting stuff. What cards don't you put in your decks anymore? Hi, Rachel. Uh, I don't play tutors anymore. Uh, yeah, when I first started working here, I had some really strong decks. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, I didn't feel great about it. And so I was talking to Manson. I was like, how do I power down my decks? He's like, start with tutors. So I gave that yeah. a try. Start with tutors. Uh, it was really good advice. Um, and since then, I haven't really turned back. Uh, the thing keeping me from tutors is that I feel like they're a roadblock for me when it comes to curating uh, the deck I want to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work really hard to look for cards that I think are synergistic and cool and unique. And when I put a tutor in, it's kind of hampering that uh, play style. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, it, it puts you in a position where you're like, oh, I have the demonic tutor. I can find the same card every time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's really fun. I Like when I'm playing my deck, I really like to be able to figure out the win where you're like, I'm, I I have these cards. These are the cards I have. And let's see if I can figure it out from here. Yeah. And demonic tutor or, or, you know, various tutors often say like, oh, or I could just go get this combo piece or this card. That would be yeah. insane in this moment. And uh, I'll have exactly the tool I need rather than crafting the tool I need. So mm-hmm. I can understand that. It definitely it changes your play experience a lot. Yeah, the sort of, I wouldn't really say workaround, but the compromise I've reached is I put a lot of good card draw into every deck. I think every color is well equipped now Mm -hmm. that you can put a good amount, like a good package in uh, of card draw. And that will help you get to cards you like and maybe cards you didn't realize you needed, which I think is something that tutoring kind of gets in the way of uh when i tutor it's like kind of a stressful like ah what do i get um but if you have a card draw spell then you're like pleasantly surprised by what you get off the top yeah for sure i i love that and i i think it changes 
your play experience, but also the play experience for like a play group that you play with a lot mm-hmm. where they're like, oh yeah, we're dying to crater hoof again. Or, oh yeah, that's the, it's the, the old torment of hail fire. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when you're like, oh, I have, I've assembled these six cards and I have figured it out. So now you are dead. Yeah. You're like, oh, interesting. All right. Well, never died that way before. <laughs> so I appreciate that kind of thinking. One counter argument I've heard is people say if you have a gimmick based deck, something where there's a specific card or strategy you're playing around, a tutor can get you there. Personally, I don't have a gimmick deck. And if I did, I personally think I still wouldn't put a tutor in just because I think there's a temptation to get another aura or another enchantment. Mm -hmm. Or maybe even if it is a gimmick deck, you're playing it in a certain power level. You know what you're doing in that power level, even if it is a gimmick. Mm -hmm. And it might still be very strong and it might take over the game. Mm -hmm. So that's my counter argument to the gimmick case for tutors. How do you, like, where are you at with that? I, it's an interesting problem because you you don't want to run like i have a feldegriff deck and it uh-huh. runs a couple of tutors because it is a very very dumb combo that requires many many pieces <laughs> yeah uh and i run i run tutors in that deck but it does make the deck more powerful it makes the deck more efficient and makes it more linear like i win in similar ways because i because i have the tutors to find the pieces that i need um and i think it makes it less fun to play But you do recognize that you're like, okay, this deck doesn't do anything without this one piece that I've built around. So it's a careful balance. I don't, yeah, it doesn't make tutors uh, like always something that I don't play, but I understand that cutting a tutor just for a card draw spell means that you have to work a little harder as a player, which is it, uh, yeah, which rewarding. appeals to me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It feels rewarding. So yeah, that's that's where I'm at with tutors. It it could change, but uh, I don't run tutors and decks even though i know they're powerful <laughs> and uh well thanks for yeah. your thoughts i appreciate it thanks Arthur. yeah thanks rachel bye well i gotta say i am really enjoying the conversations that you're having so far it's really great to hear everyone's perspective on this topic ah, well that's great because we've got more coming up after a word from our quick sponsors you can host the best backyard barbecue when you find a professional on angie to make your backyard the best around Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small 
Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. We have a team episode here on the Command Zone podcast. We're talking to people about the good cards that they choose not to put in their deck and uh, why that is. All right, let's talk to the next person. And we've got Lady Danger here. You know her. You love her. This is a card that she knows is good, but doesn't play anymore. Yeah, it's a really good card, and the card is Mind Slaver. So you're probably familiar with it because the art is probably some of the coolest art in Magic. But it is six colorless legendary artifact for tap it, sacrifice Mind Slaver. You control target player during that player's next turn. Mm-hmm. There's uh, a lot of effects like this, right? Yeah, yeah there's, there's like Emrakul and Sorin, and there's like a black sorcery that does it. And even like Opposition Agent. It's, yeah. it's kind of in the same vein of take somebody else's turn, do the thing. Mm-hmm. And as Magic players... We all have a goal that we want to achieve during the game. And mine is to like actually play my game, to do that stupid thing that I really want to do. Yeah. And if I have it in my hand and you take it away from me, game over for me personally. Big cry. It's yeah. terrible. It's a huge feel bad for me personally. Uh, it is a really good card. But unfortunately, in my experience, every time somebody's mind slavered me or done something adjacent to it, it's never finished the game. It's never moved it forward. It's mm-hmm. always kind of made it really clunky and held back the game from moving forward. So yeah. that's why I re- I don't run um, stuff like that anymore. And I, I don't prefer it in my games because sure, yeah. I want the game to move forward. I want it to be over. I want it to go f- not super fast, but, yeah. you know, I want to go to a, have another game. I want to have as many games as possible. So I feel like yeah. when you don't have an actual goal in doing things like this, it holds the game back for a long time. The other thing about playing Mindslaver effects is you're not playing your game, you're playing somebody else's game. So you're like, like if I cast a, a Mindslaver on somebody else, it's like, now I have their cards. I don't want their cards. My deck's cooler. Yeah. Like, I want to play my deck, not <laughs> your deck. I, I also have ADHD, so yeah. like, it took me forever to figure out how to do my deck and yeah. like, not miss what I need to do and then getting somebody else's deck that I'm not familiar with, I'm like, I'm sure, I'll play this thing and yeah. then I feel bad because then I probably ruined the fun thing for them uh so ultimately boo for me maybe yay for you all right well thanks lady for dropping by we appreciate your thoughts thanks and next we have damon lentz who is our podcast editor here with a card that you no longer play it's good but you don't play anymore 
That's right. Uh, so the card that I no longer play is Smothering Tithe. I know, I know, Smothering Tithe. We all play it. Listen. All right. So for those back home that don't know what Smothering Tithe is, it's an enchantment for three and a white. It says whenever an opponent draws a card, that player may play two. If that player doesn't, you create a treasure token. And treasure token, you can, it's an artifact. You tap, sack it, one Yeah, we've, we've heard of these. Yeah. We've heard uh, of these fangled things. Yeah. So, you know, the question of the day, why don't I run it? Well... I have threefold reasons. Yeah. All okay. Right. We have an essay. Yes. I'm yes. excited. Reason number one. Yes. I hate the upkeep you have to do with this Ugh, card. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I came here to play magic, not to be an accountant. <laughs> right. Listen, you know, and yeah. that's a whole other skill that some people have. I'm not, I'm not here to do that. You're an editor. Yeah. I'm an, I'm an editor. <laughs> I'm not an accountant. Very different things. You know, I just hate, you know, every time. So I have to pay attention. Every time somebody draws a card, I'm like, oh, did you pay the two? And then like they draw five cards. And I'm like, okay, well, do you want to pay two on three of those cards? And then all those, and then people miss things. They forget. They don't announce, hey, we're drawing an extra card. Yeah. So I just not worth the upkeep. All right. Mm. So that's the reason number one that I personally don't run it. Uh, reason number two is it generates a lot of hate. So people will start coming at you because they're like, oh, he has a smothering tithe. Yeah. And, and they don't like that because they know, hey, if I play all these card draw spells that we all know and love and we, we love to draw cards, mm-hmm. this person's just going to go off and going to become a problem and yada, yada, yada. So then they start being more aggressive, start attacking you more, start playing their removal spells on your things if they can't remove the smothering tithe. Mm. And not every deck I build uh, has the capability to handle that kind of hate. And yeah, so that's absolutely. an additional layer of something that I have to think about is like, okay, I'm building this deck. Can this deck handle the hate of the table? Mm. Sometimes the answer is yes. Yeah. In which case a card like this, just fine. But sometimes that answer is no. And I'd say oftentimes with my decks, the answer is no, because I'm not trying to be at that level. Uh, I'd say most of the time. Yeah. Oh, and a, and a caveat with all of this, uh, in CDH, all this goes out the window because then... Yeah, you run where you can. Exactly. I, I think that's super fair. And I love the point about it attracting a lot of attention, especially when you're like, no, leave me alone. Because uh, it's so crazy every single time you have to ask. So you yep. just like poke them in the eye a little bit. And you're like, they're going to hit you back if you poke them in the eye too many times. <laughs> exactly. And you know, I'm, I'm here, my little Demir player. I like mm. to be a little sneaky, go under the radar. You can't go under the radar for this card because you're tax constantly man. reminding them. Yeah. Tax man is here. I'm here, Mr. Moneybags. Like, <laughs> So, you know, unfortunately, it's fair. yeah, you just, you can't sneak under the radar with a card like this. Nope. Not when you're knocking on doorbells, asking for donations. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks for coming on, Dave, and I appreciate your feedback. Thank you. Up next, our Game Nights editor, Manson Lung. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Love to be here. What card that you know is good are you not putting in your decks anymore? Okay. So I love Mia mm. Sensei's Divining Top. So what mm-hmm. this is, is a one mana artifact. You could pay one, look at the top three cards of your library, then put them back in any order. And it also has another ability where you could tap, draw a card, then put Sensei's Divining Top on top of its owner's library. Ooh, it's a good card. It's a good card. So why, why aren't you putting it in, in decks anymore? Um, so one, um, I found myself really taking a lot of time looking at the three cards. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, you know, making my decisions, uh, thinking, thinking, and then putting them back. And then if I've even a shuffle effect, like a fetch land or something, that just changes everything. next person's turn doing the same thing. Next person's turn is doing the same thing. So like half the time I'm just looking at the three cards instead of playing the game. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, it just takes up a lot of bandwidth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm constantly thinking of like, oh, do I want these three cards? Oh, there's a new card in the, those three piles now. Do I want that card on top now? Is it, it just it took so much time for me to just 
think of what I wanted to do with those three cards and if I wanted to draw them or not in mm -hmm. my hand, right? Yeah. So I just found that very annoying for my own gameplay because I'm not even playing the game at that point, right? Right. At some point, you're like, you know what? I don't care. Yeah, exactly. I don't care what cards I have. I don't care what's on top. I'm going to draw this card and I'm going to hang out with my friends. Right. <laughs> and it's so, it's so hard to get rid of too, right? Because uh -huh. it has that tap ability to just put it right back on top of the deck. Yeah. So if they, you know, put a removal spell on top of it, just activate in response, and then next turn, boom, it's right back. It took me so long to learn that about Sensei's Divining Top. Yeah. <laughs> I kept trying to remove it so many times. Right. And my friend was like, you've tried this already. It's gone. <laughs> You're like, oh, right. <laughs> ah, I foiled again. Right. And plus it's like a, an artifact, right? So it could mm -hmm. go in any deck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, if budget's not a consideration for anything, you're just going to be playing this in all your decks if right. you could. Yeah, I, I think cards that you're like, if it isn't, if it's taking up a ton of bandwidth, it's taking up a ton of time, it has to be worth that in the power exactly. level of the deck where you need like the extra synergy with Sensei's Divining Top to really make it right. like worth the amount of time to be like, I have to hold open a mana and make sure I can spin. And what if something happens and I spin it again? Uh, yeah. Uh, but if you're, it really has to be adding the value of the time that you're putting into it. Yeah. If it's just like a value sensei's divining top. Ugh. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I've taken it out of all my decks. Yeah. <laughs> you got a bunch <laughs> of tops sitting around your yeah. house. Yeah. I should probably sell them actually. Yeah. Get rid of those. <laughs> They're worth a good amount, right? So. <laughs> well, thanks for your time, Manson. I really yeah, appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, we've got Jordan Pridgen, a writer here on the staff, with a card that you're not playing anymore, but you know is good. Yeah, so the card that I'm not playing anymore is Reliquary Tower, which yeah. is real simple. It's just a land that taps for colorless, but also has, you have no maximum hand size. Which, you know, is, is like a useful thing to have yeah. in a lot of games. But like, I think the reason that I decided not to play it that much anymore is because I kind of think that not playing it was an opportunity to like get a little better at evaluating how I was going to use the cards in my hand. Sure, I love that. Because like so often with Reliquary Tower, if you do have like eight or nine cards in your hand, yeah, you're going to have to at the end of your turn discard down to hand size, but uh, you're you're just not going to be in that bad of a position when you go down to only seven cards there. Right, it's still the seven best cards. Yeah, exactly. And, and and if you have to look at those, like, let's say nine cards in your hand and be like, okay, which two of these are the worst cards in my hand? Mm -hmm. That really, like, is a useful skill to be able to, like, think through and, like, see, like, oh, I'm probably going to need to play this next turn. I'm going to mm -hmm. be, you know, making these moves and stuff like that instead yeah. of just letting your hand grow and grow and grow. Um yeah. And yeah. It also helps you get to know your deck better. Definitely. Where like when you're like, you know what, I've been discarding this card a lot or this card just doesn't seem useful that often. Mm -hmm. um, it makes you evaluate your cards as you're playing them, which makes it easier when you're making cuts later. Well, and you know what I, I kept running into because I played Reliquary Tower for a long time and mm -hmm. like a lot of my decks Yeah. Um, is that I would have 10 cards in hand mm -hmm. and I would be like, I can't get rid of any of these. They're mm -hmm. all great. Right. And then by the end of the game, six of those cards have just sat in my hand unused the entire right. time. <laughs> right. Because you just don't have the mana to cast everything in your hand all the time and everything like that. So I just think it makes me a bit of a better player to be able to evaluate which cards are going out. Mm -hmm. um, and it also like makes the games feel a little quicker and stuff. Because right. when you get to the point where you have like these 20 card hands or something like that, then 
every turn becomes a slog. Yeah, God. You're you just, like, oh, I have to look through uh, 10 to 15 cards. I could do that? this. Uh, I could always far seek. Um, I've got six instants in hand, so should I just do nothing and then pass? Oh, but five of them are sorceries. Or, mm. You know, and I think it makes games quicker. I think it's easier to evaluate stuff. And, you know, sometimes it's nice to be able to put things into your graveyard. So that's true. Yeah. Well, I love that. Uh, definitely a different take. And uh, make sure, yeah, you're reevaluating the Reliquary Towers in your deck. Um, they're a good card, but maybe, maybe not uh, worth it. Yeah. Thanks, Jordan. Ain't always the right choice. All right. Well, we have heard from a lot of members of our team, and uh, I guess we're going to wrap it up now, otherwise this episode is going to be quite long. Um, <laughs> I found it super interesting, though, just to hear everybody's perspective. That was really cool. Yeah, I I particularly loved what Murph said about Douthy Voidwalker, because mm. that's a card you really think about being so fun and splashy and really, really powerful. <laughs> But what it does to the game is it does kind of stop how things progress because people don't want to play into the Douthy. So I think that was really, um, it, it was really thoughtful the way that like a powerful card can just completely shift how your opponents play and completely shift how the game progresses, yeah. even on a two drop. Yeah, I love what Murph said there about Darth Voidwalker, but I'm still going to put it in my decks. Yeah, it's, it's still <laughs> it's really, really good. good yeah. It's still really good. <laughs> and it doesn't, I still have fun when I play. <laughs> as long as you're having fun. Yeah, that's the point, that's, that's right? The that's what we're doing. Conversation, yeah. Well, we heard from everybody on the team. Uh, so, of course, we have to add your thoughts to the pile. What cards aren't you playing, Josh? Okay, so I thought about this a lot. And, you know, a card I realized that I that is very good. It is pretty expensive, but I have a couple of copies. Mm -hmm. um, so the reason that I choose not to put it in is not because of cost or power level. It's Jeweled Lotus. Mm, yeah. I literally don't have it in a single one of my decks, including wow. I have one CDH deck and it's not even in there. And that's not for fun reasons. Uh, that's just because it's not particularly good in mm -hmm. my CDH deck. But yeah, I just don't play it. They're just sitting on a shelf um, because I think it it's... I've never seen Jeweled Lotus get played early in a game mm -hmm. where it caused a fun game to then occur from that point forward. Right. It always causes one of two scenarios when played early, and that is somebody gets their commander, even if it's you, out super, super early, mm -hmm. three turns before they should have, which mm -hmm. generally means they take command of the game in a really powerful way. Mm -hmm. And either from that point, they ride that advantage straight to victory, or they become the immediate arch enemy and... Everybody teams up on them, and then they don't do much for the rest of the game because everyone's so hyper-focused on them. Right. They've taken away all their resources, and now their commander costs two more instead of three less. <laughs> yeah. And that, yeah, exactly. And so they're, they're really, really hobbled by it. And so those two scenarios I don't find to be super fun. Mm -hmm. And then the third scenario is you draw Jewel Lotus later in the game, I in which case it's a pretty bad card. Right. Uh, so... Yeah, I just haven't found a reason that Jewel Lotus really leads to the type of outcomes that I'm looking for in games. And as a result, I'm just not super interested in, in playing it. Yeah, I mean, that says a lot about you as a deck builder is like you want it to be a bit of a scrap till the end rather than just racing to chase somebody down, which is is very cool. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. It feels I, I like those games where it feels like, you know, everybody got some punches in and mm -hmm. we're all a little bit bruised up and it's like who could kinda like right. just get there at the end, you know, and who <laughs> you know, who had the fortitude to survive, you know. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, okay. Well, you've talked to a whole ton of members of our team, not everybody, but a, a yeah. lot. But nobody's asked you yet, Rachel, what are uh, the good cards that you do not play? Well, as soon as this card came out, I was like, oh my gosh, I have so many decks for this. And then the first time I saw Scoot Swarm played, <laughs> <laughs> like, mm, you know what? I don't want to do the math. I don't want to do it. 
I don't want to. I don't want to add exponential numbers. I'm not here to count how many bugs are on my playmat. I'm not here to keep track of all of the tokens. I don't want to put plus one counters on them, Josh. I don't want to do it. <laughs> it, it. It does get to like like what is 268 times 268? Right. Times five. You know, you're just like yeah. I, it was just like, I was spending too much brain power being like, okay, how many are there? And less about just like, how can I get the edge I want? I think I like to play more on the, on the edges of games and less on like, I have 487 guys. And if you remove one, doesn't matter. I'll get 800 more. <laughs> it, it also forces a board wipe, which yeah. is not my favorite moment in commander games is when somebody's just like, all right, clear the board, reset. Um, otherwise the game's over. So it's just sort of like deal with this or the game's over. And uh, so it has sort of two elements that I don't love. The bookkeeping and then the deal with 100 permanents or this game is over right now. Is it almost like you, if you play that, then you're sort of training your playgroup or the people you play with often to put more board wipes in their deck? And yeah. that is net bad for, you know, all yeah, of your gaming long experience? Term. Yeah. I'm planning long term. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, definitely it has something to do with that. I, I think it's also, for me, it feels like it's just too easy to make happen where I really want to feel like I've, I've really f wrestled with my deck. I've, I've really fought the game to do it. And if Scootsworn won, won me the game, then you're just like, I played this card yeah. and this card won one because yeah. no one could stop it. Yeah, exactly. And that doesn't feel fulfilling. Yeah. I, I want, I want to win. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want my cards to win. So uh, it feels like this one is one of those that can just put a game on its back and carry it away. All right. Well, very cool. That makes sense to me. I don't think I have Scoot Swarm in a single deck either. Yeah, Undoubtedly very powerful, though. Very good. Very yeah. good. If it's in your deck, I know exactly why. <laughs> All uh, right. <laughs> uh, to the listeners, outside of financial regions or power level, what cards do you know are good, but you don't put them into your deck? Uh, and then let us know why. Please uh, reply in the comments. Let us know on Twitter. If you're on a Patreon, let us know on Discord. We definitely like to hear from everybody out there. And it's nice to see your perspectives. Uh, I think there was a number of cards in this episode that I hadn't really occurred to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's nice to at least know that you know there are reasons that people are considering not doing things. And it makes me sort of reevaluate, which is nice. Yeah, anytime I get to cut cards for free, it means I get to put something else in, which I really appreciate. And when you're putting something else into your deck... Go to cardkingdom.com slash command. Segway, man! Did it! Da -da -da -da. Uh, they have a, an enormous inventory to get the coolest cards that you want to put into your deck. Make it as personal and as uh, complete as you want it to be. They also have all of the different printings in all of the different conditions, so you can meet all of the standards that you want to meet for your deck. Uh, plus, they put it up in a nice little plastic box. They put it in a plastic mailer, ship it to you so you know your cards are safe, you know that they're together, and you're only paying shipping once on those cards. Uh, you're not chasing down envelopes in the next four to eight weeks. Uh, That's which a big I really thing. You can think that like you're paying X amount of money and then once you add up all the shipping because you, it's coming in so many different envelopes mm -hmm. and it becomes all of a sudden like the pricing is totally different. I'm like how did I pay $17 in shipping paper? I don't know what happened. Yeah, <laughs> it got away from me. Because so many different packages. <laughs> Again, cardkingdom.com slash command to get all of the cool cards that you want. And of course, once you receive those cards, you want to keep them in good condition. Ultrapro.com slash command makes the game accessories products that we trust our own collections to here at the Command Zone. I have all of my decks in Eclipse Sleeves, in Satin Tower deck boxes, always play on a nice Ultra Pro playmat. Uh, you really can't do any better than Ultra Pro. And one of the things I love is ultrapro.com slash command. They are now an e-retail site that sells directly to consumer, which is something fairly new in the last year or so. And they have a couple of things going on on their website that this opens up that wasn't available before. One, discounts. They have discounts all the time. They're just discounting inventory to sort of 
move it through, make room for the new stuff. But also, they have special things that you just wouldn't be able to find at your own LGS that are limited, secret layer drop stuff, like the shattered glass transformers, things mm -hmm. like that. Um, they, they just have all kinds of cool stuff that you can only find on that website. So again, ultrapro.com slash command. That's the place to go to get cool stuff and support the command zone and Game Nights Extra Turns, all of that cool stuff. Hey, come check us out at Game Nights Live. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, we should say uh, Philly, MagicCon Philly, Philadelphia, Game Nights Live. See you there. Rachel wasn't at Vegas, so this is the first time she's going to be in that live performance. We're really yeah, excited, excited for it. Yeah, we have brand new decks. We have all kinds of cool things going on, cool guests. Mm -hmm. There will be a link in the show notes. If you're anywhere near Philadelphia, we'd love to see it. And also, we didn't say this in the open, but Jimmy and I have never done an East Coast event before. Oh, yeah, we wanted awesome. to, uh, but pandemic hit. We, mm -hmm. we had a pledge in 2020 to go do that, and then, of course, pandemic happened. So this is going to be our first time out there. We'd love to uh, get a warm welcome. I'd love to find out where are good places to eat and things like that, so please uh, let us know. Yeah, let us know if you're going to be there. Okay, uh, now it's time for the end step where yeah. we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Mm -hmm. Rachel, do you have an end step? I was telling you about the, it this morning. I oh. just watched this crazy movie that's so intense. It's called 13 Lives. Uh, it is about the Thai soccer team who got um, trapped in a cave. And um, there was an enormous rescue effort with like 5,000 people to get them all out. And um, I, I was going to say, I won't spoil the movie for you, but it's like, it happens in real life. It, it's in the news. Yeah, I don't know. You if probably it's heard about it's a it. True story. Yeah, uh, they all get it out. It's fine. It's <laughs> it's a really, really intense, really amazing movie. Um, that's like technically incredibly difficult to shoot and emotionally very difficult to watch. But it was very powerful. It was a cool movie. Yeah, it's probably one of these movies. I think that knowing the outcome actually helps you watch it because yes. I think if you thought all the kids were going to die, it might not be as vomit inducing. Yeah. Some of the, the choices that they make, if you haven't, if you don't know the whole news story, um, y there will be some surprises. I promise in the movie, um, and it's terrifying. Yeah, I haven't seen this movie yet. I, I watched a couple of documentaries about the uh, the event, the tragedy. Mm -hmm. The I guess it was a, not a tragedy; it's the opposite of a tragedy. Yeah, it was a miracle. Yeah, and also it's does pretty it, yeah. insane what yeah. ends up happening and how they're trapped in the first place and all the steps along the way. Like, mm -hmm. it's pretty crazy. It reminds me a little bit of Apollo thirteen in that, like, yes. it's amazing what humans can do if they put their mind to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, if we all sort of you know join together. I know it's maybe a little cliche, but it's it, nice though. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like twelve different countries or something come in to support. Like a lot of the divers are from Australia and. The UK and they're the best divers in the world who's like are on volunteer basis to dive into these terrifying caves to get people out of there so in many ways it's a very uplifting story but there are many turns where you're like oh my god I will will leave I'm gonna leave <laughs> what they end up doing to get the kids out is nuts insane when they explain it you're like what that doesn't yeah but anyway also, I'm never going in a cave again okay <laughs> what's yours <laughs> 13, 13 lives is it on what's it on Amazon Prime alright go check it out it's really good all right, uh, big thanks to our awesome team here at the Command Zone, who you saw a lot of them on this episode, but not all of them. Mm -hmm. Damon Lenz, Arthur Meadowcroft, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Jordan Pridgen, Sam Waldo, Grav Galati, Jamie Block, Mitch Trafford, Evan Limberger, Gabriel Pozos, Megan Yip, Eric Lem, and, of course, Jimmy Wong. All right, everybody, thanks for watching. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. 
See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.